coming up on the show, a massive game tonight between Melbourne United and the Sydney Kings. Some injury issues for both teams, and we break down what is going to be one of the biggest games of the round. The ESPN mock draft had everyone talking yesterday. Illawarra and South East Melbourne on Friday night, fascinating for so many reasons. And Andrew Bogut has his say on court time for Boomer's prospective players. That's all coming up on NBL Now. It is January the 4th. You can probably just gather that there's a little bit of a spring in our step this morning because Sydney and Melbourne do battle tonight at Kudos Bank Arena. And the spring in our step, as I say good morning to Pete Hooley, is the fact that we're both going to be there tonight, Hools. Good morning. Morning, mate. I, I cannot wait for this one because it just sets up for the round. There's a couple of key matchups I'm really excited to watch across the course of the weekend, but it starts with this massive blockbuster. Kings, can they continue to just string something together and just show that form that many of us expected to probably be closer to 90, 100% by this time of the season? Uh, we haven't seen it consistently enough. And then Melbourne United, how do they bounce back? The last time they got dealt with by Cairns, they bounce back in enormous fashion against the Bullets. So I'm excited to see which way the domino falls. Well, let's get to the injury news first. And that is that DJ Hogue for the Sydney Kings won't be playing. Uh, and Olgan Yulich reporting on ESPN.com.au that Luke Travers is also under an injury cloud. I've said this a little bit about Melbourne United and Sydney to a degree. An injury or a player or two missing, I think, strengthens the teams. Because of their depth and because of the choices that both coaches have to go with different players at different times. And again, you look down the roster, look down the bench for both squads. You start with Melbourne United, Flynn Cameron, Kyle Bowen. These guys are just begging for more opportunity and not just nine to 10 minutes, but they're begging for 20 to 25 minutes to go out there and, and just be trust guys and get the job done. Same with the Sydney Kings, Angus Glover, Kuat Noy, all these guys coming off the bench, Sean Bruce, the ultimate trust guy. So having a player removed from the rotation means everyone else's role increases and I think things get a little easier out on the floor. And even you talk about Melbourne United, as now they've been at full strength, we haven't seen the deli we saw at the start of the season and we can understand that because they've just got so many weapons, they've got so many players to get through and uh, it's a challenge for Dean Vickman to try and figure out what pieces go where. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Lou Travis, but DJ Hogue's still a big out. Uh, I think that he's uh, been a key for them and, uh, if I'm Mahmoud, I wouldn't be thinking about throwing Denzel Valentine into the starting lineup either. I think let him relish the sixth man opportunity. Let him come out there, be ultra aggressive, understand that's his role, kind of like Ian Clark for Melbourne. I think they can get him to thrive. The battle between the big men uh, is is going to be huge, Halls. It was important last time that the two teams met. Melbourne won that game. But Jonah Bolden and Geordie Hunter up against Joe Lawala-Chul and Ariel Hook-Porty. Yeah, and they do different things, don't they, the Kings big men? Geordie Hunter pulling down the 16 rebounds at a career high, and we know he's really good defensively. But yeah, if I'm the Kings, and obviously they're studying that game to look at against Cairns, how did Cairns take advantage against Melbourne United that not many other teams have managed to do? And one of those was Sam Menenga. Sam Menenga, JLA's best trade uh, on the defensive end is rim protection. He's an elite uh, shot blocker. He can alter shots. So by putting Jonah Bolden out there for probably more minutes than Jordan Hunter in this game, you take JLA away from the protecting the rim. You let Jonah Bolden tee off from deep. And again, if he's not making them, it, it kind of changes it. But let him do what he does best and step out and shoot the three. And if you can do that, then the guards, I'm sure, will be looking at what Pat Miller, what Taj McCall did to Shea Ely and Deli and say, okay, we can find a way, a little weakness here. But on the flip side, 
you know Melbourne United are going to be ready for that because yeah. they saw it just happen in Cairns and Dean Vickmore will have some sort of scheme ready to go saying, okay, if Jonah Boland's going to step out, are we switching out because we need to keep JLA down low? And then he's going to probably just put the onus back on Delhi and Shaili saying, I need you two to be better. You're elite defenders in this league and you got handed to you by Pat Miller and Taj McCall. It's time to bounce back. And normally they do a pretty good job of that. So Derek Rucker on this show yesterday had Sydney winning, thinks that it could be their, their watershed moment of the season to beat Melbourne on their home floor. Who have you got? I was thinking about this because I saw um, Ruck is uh, – it's a, really, it is a tough one to pick, and I'm happy to sit on the fence here because of all the things that I just mentioned. And Sydney will be feeling good. They finally got a, a big win and an important win, and they feeling good individually I think is the key because they looked lost at times, a lot of players uh, in different roles, and – Denzel Valentine having that kind of monkey off the back game, I think is going to be huge for his confidence because he was really down on production early. And if he can just buy in now to that six-man role, I think he's going to be key for them. But as I said at the start of this, Melbourne United bounce back well. Melbourne United know what they have to do. And Dean Vickerman's notorious at doing that. It's just getting in the film and highlighting all these things. And he's not afraid to call people out for moments where they've lacked in what they've done well. And I'm talking about the the guard defenders. I've never seen – it's actually been just the two Cairns games where you've got guards who can turn the corner and get into the paint at will against the best defensive team in the competition. It just doesn't happen. So I'm expecting a bounce back there. And I'll just call double overtime then, Jack. (laughs) Double OT and we'll enjoy ourselves at Kudos Bank Arena. (laughs) Double OT sounds fantastic. Spoke to the Kings yesterday. They think there's another really good crowd in the house. For this one tonight as well, which is brilliant. To the ESPN mock draft, it was released just before we went to air yesterday via Jonathan Gavoni. Alex Saar was number one, and that was discussed a lot on the show yesterday. Bobby Clintman at 21. We'll see Alex Tui tonight at 48. We'll also see Ariel Hook Porty tonight at 53. AJ Johnson, 59, and Trent Flowers, 62. Who's the one I want to ask you about here is Mantis Rubstavchis from the New Zealand Breakers. Number 55 in the mock draft at the moment. His last four games, he's gone 21 and 8 rebounds, 17 points, 15 points, 16 points. He's now shooting the three ball at 48% across the season. I just wonder whether if we came back together in the six weeks' time or whenever, whenever Jonathan does the next mock draft, if he keeps going the way he's going, I don't feel like he's going to be in the 50s. To be honest, even if he just plateaus a little bit and just that production drops ever so slightly, I think he's still going to climb. Uh, just because we haven't seen these last four games, we haven't seen that kind of offensive consistently scoring production for, for some time. I mean, you could go back to the Josh Giddy and LaMelo Ball times and next stars to be able to come in there and put up 15 points in four consecutive games. But it's more than that. It's what he's brought to this team to help them get on this little run as well. We're gonna, we keep talking about Zylan Cheatham coming back, Will McDowell White, Anthony Lamb and PJC for good reason. They're four of the elite players in this league. But... Mantis just going about his business. And again, I brought it up on overtime and it's funny to look at now, but when he was signed and Modi Mayo said that out of all the next stars, he wanted him because he contributes to winning more than the rest. And we were looking at it early on, mind you. He was injured to start the season. Yeah. But we were thinking when he came back, okay, where where do you seeing? What are you seeing that we don't? And again, Modi knew, Liam knew. That's why Liam obviously put him to, towards New Zealand, and now we're starting to see exactly that, and that's what's going to really entice NBA scouts is, yes, he can put the ball in the basket, but they're winning, and he has a major part in that. And stats aside, yes, it's nice to look at for scouts, but scouts just want to see, and GMs want to see you come into this program uh, as a young kid and leave as a much more developed player, and that's all the Next Stars program is beautiful for, and that's what they're doing. 
and hats off to the breakers. They've got a great record with the Next Stars program and, and making guys better than, than what they came in. I was listening to Rogue Vogues uh, last night just before I went to bed, a bit of bedtime listening, you know, just to just try and help you drift off to sleep. And dulcet tone. I can understand that. He does have a nice warm voice, mm. folks. Um, yeah. He was talking about court time for the Boomers guys who are in the NBA at the moment. He's referring to Patty Mills, uh, to Dyson Daniels to some extent as well. Josh Green not in the rotation at the moment. Even injuries for Josh Giddy that he's been carrying and Jock Landau not playing as well. And then talking about guys playing overseas and in the NBL who are playing bulk minutes. And I'm talking about guys like Chris Golding and Mitch Creek, Sam Froling. How big of an advantage is that, do you think, in the eyes of Brian Gorgian when it comes to selection for the Olympics? Selection's an interesting one. I'm not exactly sure where the domino falls on that. But in terms of being ready to play and play your best, it, it massively it, it's going to help. And again, you listen to Bogues talk about this because he's been in these situations, right? He's had to front up to, to world tournaments on the back of injuries or sitting out uh, and not playing as much in the year prior. And I'm sure that he would understand better than anyone how – unprepared you can be going into that if you've been sitting on, on the bench and uh, injuries is one thing you can't do anything about that and it's all about just getting healthy and, and we've seen that but the guys I mean we look at Paddy Mills I and mean, what he's done for the Boomers program and, and what we're going to need from him in Paris and he's had little opportunities with some injuries out to other key guys in Atlanta and come in and been a spark plug diving on the floor none of that's going to change and when he puts on a green and gold jersey none of that's going to change but all of that up and down that roller coaster type season, you're not knowing where your production or opportunity is going to come from. On the flip side, you've got these guys playing in the NBL, uh, playing bulk minutes, being MVP candidates, and doing all of this. And that's going to just not only help their play, but it's going to help their confidence. And when they go to a boomers camp, they're going to be ready to roll. They don't need to warm up for anything. They're going to just flow straight into it. And it, it does raise a lot of concerns for the Paris, no doubt about it, because a lot of our our strength is lies overseas. And uh, just to see them all get more opportunity would be nice. But uh, that's the beauty of international competitions. It's, it's not as all, uh, easy as it seems. And just getting together once a year can produce some problems. We get through tonight and then we turn our attention to Illawarra and Southeast Melbourne. Friday night hoops, big game as well. Really, really interesting game, this one, Pete. I wanted to ask you about the player power when it comes to the Illawarra Hawks. So five and two under Justin Tatum. He's gone out of his way to say that he's not thinking about it at the moment. He's just trying to motivate this group and get them rowing the boat in the same direction again. But from a player's perspective, when you've got a guy like this who is getting results and clearly they're all playing for him, how much does that mean in terms of future decisions for the Hawks? I think it's a lot, and I think we kind of undersell it. And again, Damon Lowry, the unofficial, I don't know if he makes it official now, the Illawarra spokesperson that <laughs> wants us to hold on to it. But Gary Clark said in the post-game interviews that he's like a father in the locker room and, and that what he says goes and we'll run through a brick wall for him. So if you're Matt Campbell, if, you, if you're the Hawks ownership group, you're sitting there thinking, what more can we ask for? So this is exactly what we want. This is what we haven't seen for a little bit. And I guess I keep bringing up the word vibe and I, I sound like I'm an echo, but it is what it, you see it in the first minute of the game. The entire bench is up. The entire bench is having fun. There's smiles on their face. And the more I think about it, the more I'm okay to hold on the conversation because I asked uh, Justin Tatum this as well in the post game. He wants them to have fun. And there's no doubt they're doing that. And winning is fun. But what happens when they're tested? And the tests are coming. I'm yep. not sure they've had too many tests just yet. So what kind of character do they show during those tests? I think is going to be key. And honestly, I think that's what the Hawks organization want to see too. Everything's going well right now. But when we play these top teams for a little patch, 
how do we respond if we get into a hole? Are we resorting back to who we were at the start of the season? Or have we completely changed that and we're going to stand up when it matters most? And that, I think, could be a big key to what happens next. Yeah, and it, it feels like their season and the tone of their season's changed, hasn't it? They've gone from being bottom of the table, season's a write-off, you know, let's start to think about next season, to all of a sudden, like, the playing is a very real possibility. So it's how they cope with that. It is. And again, the, you look at the teams they play. You mentioned the Phoenix. That's that's a huge game, right? Because based on current form, I think they'd be favorites. But you go in there and you drop that one to the Phoenix and all of a sudden it puts it a little bit of a gap in, in the race for the play-in, but also a little bit of doubt in some other people's minds. Then they play Tasmania, who are looking to bounce back. That's probably yeah. one of their biggest tests. And then they play the Bullets as well, who we'll see how they go with Casey Prather coming back. So there's no easy games. But as I said, I think the resilience... We'll see what that's like when the tests start to happen. And if Justin Tatum has them fighting and, and scraping and clawing and getting wins during those moments, then I think it becomes a no-brainer, doesn't it? Just before we finish off, uh, the Marketplace, two episodes are now live on the NBL, all of the social media platforms on the website, on YouTube and all that sort of stuff. First episode, we spoke about the big stories to follow during free agency and college youngsters to keep an eye out for as well. Second episode, which went live yesterday, we went through team by team. Um, just to reiterate what we spoke about, Pete, I know some fans might look at it and say it's early. Why are you talking about it in January? We've got so much going on, etc. But I think we're sort of going to great lengths, aren't we, to point out to people that these conversations are well and truly underway. Yeah, they've been happening for a while, again. And a lot of it, if you look at players on one-year deal or in the last year of their contract, these conversations have been happening in the off-season, whether it's like, okay, you have one more good year here and we find you into that landing spot you want on that certain team or we try and re-up you into the contract with the current team. These conversations happen all the time and we're not the NRL. We're not Formula One where you, you change teams and you sign a contract for next year and then finish out that team. And again, it happens in the AFL as well. The conversations in professional sport, you've got to look out for what's best for yourself and uh, not just on a player's perspective, but on a team's perspective too. There's no doubt that once that's, First game, NBL 24, tip-off occurred. The, the team in the back and, and all the organizations are thinking, okay, what are we looking at for next year and what do we need to keep an eye on for this year? So it's all happening and it will always continue to happen. And then it will heat up and then we'll be doing a lot more of them. You can check it out. They're all available now on YouTube and the NBL social media platforms as well as the website. Hulls, safe travels today and I'll see you at Kudos tonight. Looking forward to it, mate. Thanks for being with us on NBL Now. As always, great to have your company and we will be back tomorrow. Geez, I'd have-